Matthew chapter 23, verses 34 through 36. This is our Lord speaking, the Messiah. He says, This is why I am sending you prophets, sages, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and hound from town to town. So all the righteous blood shed on the earth will be charged to you from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. I assure you all these things will come on this generation. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. In this lesson, we come to a critical statement by Yeshua that's directed to the scribes and the Pharisees. The entire section has been directed to them. Look at all the times that Yeshua has singled them out. Just take two verses, for instance. Matthew 23, 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are. Matthew 23, 34, This is why I am sending you prophets, sages, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and hound from town to town. It's very important that we recognize when we read that second person plural pronoun that it's not talking about you, you. It's talking about them, you. And here in these two verses, Yeshua uses that pronoun you eight times and that's because he is directly addressing the scribes and the Pharisees in front of him in that day and time. Now as we've been going through Matthew 23, I've tried to pull out principles for us to learn from and I've tried to show how that we can get caught in the trap of following the example of the scribes and Pharisees, acting like one. And we can. That is true. We can get caught in that. But this passage was not spoken to us directly or about us directly. It was spoken by Yeshua the Messiah in the first century A.D. to the scribes and Pharisees of his day. It's like we discussed in the last message in Matthew chapter 10, if you remember that, Matthew 10. I know that people would like Matthew chapter 10 to be directly about them. There's probably been people in every century for the last 1,900 years who think Matthew 10 is about them, living in the last days of persecution, but they are wrong. Matthew 10 is Yeshua talking directly to his 12 personal disciples. And we can pull principles out of Matthew 10 for us today, but that doesn't change the fact that Yeshua has an immediate audience in that text. You know, if I'm talking to you, and I say this, I want you to ride in the car with me to Snellville. If I tell you that, Brother Jerry, Brother Jerry, I want you to ride in the car with me to Snellville, and that gets written down. I write that down, and somebody reads it 100 years from now, it will still mean the same thing that it meant when I said it. It meant I was talking directly to Jerry. I'm not talking about Joe Brown in the year 2097, but Jerry Kendall in the year 2015. Now, I bring this up because we're going to see that Yeshua speaks judgment upon the people alive in his generation in this text. It's pertinent that you understand what the phrase, this generation, means. Very important that you understand that phrase. We'll get to that momentarily. Now we opened up reading verses 34 through 36 
But we've already covered verse 34 in the last lesson. So we're going to go 35 and 36 today. Matthew 23, verse 35. So all the righteous blood shed on the earth will be charged to you from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Okay. We saw in verse 34 that Yeshua was sending holy men, prophets, sages, scribes, to the scribes and Pharisees, the wicked ones, or the leaders in Israel. But the scribes and Pharisees would persecute and murder, crucify these holy men, just like their rebellious Israelite fathers did. Now, verse 35 falls on the heels of that, and it has Yeshua saying that all the righteous blood shed upon the earth will be charged to you, the scribes and Pharisees, the leaders of Israel in that generation. What does he mean by righteous blood, all the righteous blood? Well, he's talking about shedding the blood of a servant of Yahweh that is connected by faith to the blood of Yeshua. See, the blood of Yeshua is the only perfectly righteous blood in existence. But when men serve Yahweh, having faith in the one that he sent, Yeshua the Messiah, they then are counted as righteous. As verse 34 showed us, when the prophets were sent to the scribes and the Pharisees by Yeshua, the scribes and Pharisees would kill some, crucify some, and flog others, and they would shed the blood of those who were sent to them. Who were those that were sent to them? The twelve disciples, prophets, sages, and scribes. These actions of theirs testify that they were sons of those who murdered the prophets in the Old Testament. They were the descendants of the rebellious Israelites of old. Now, what made it even more potent is that they were the generation, catch this now, they were the generation to whom Yeshua came personally. He stood before them directly. They saw Him, they heard Him, they could shake hands with Him, so to speak. Yet, they rejected Him. Just think about the parable of the vineyard. So because of their actions, all the righteous blood shed upon the earth was charged to them. And that's because it all came to a head or culminated in their generation. They're the ones that filled up the measure of the father's sins. Remember the cup in verse 32. Fill ye up then the measure of your father's sins. So Yeshua goes on to mention the bloodshed of two righteous men. He says, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah. Now, from the blood of Abel takes us back to Genesis chapter 4, where Cain murdered Abel. We read nothing there about Abel deserving to be killed. As a matter of fact, we read that Abel was bringing the correct offering to Yahweh, the appropriate first or chief offering. And the Bible says that Yahweh had regard for Abel's offering. Yeshua calls Abel righteous Abel here in Matthew 23. And the author of Hebrews refers to Abel as a righteous man. Hebrews 11 verse 3. The book of 1 John chapter 3 verse 12 also says that Abel's works were righteous. So why is Yeshua charging the scribes and Pharisees with Abel's murder? Well, he isn't. He never charges them with Abel's murder directly. They were not alive back then. This is how they are following in the footsteps of their rebellious Israelite forefathers. 
They're filling up the cup of sin with the blood of righteous men they are murdering at their time. And that cup of sin began to be poured into from the first murder of a righteous man, Abel. This entire text up to this point, since verse 29, has been about Israelites killing their own brethren, enemies in their own household, just like Yeshua spoke of in Matthew chapter 10. And I took the time to labor to go back to the Old Testament. I hope that you have either went back and checked those out or that you'll do that in your study. I took the time to show how that the prophets were murdered by their own Israelite kinsmen. Brothers killing their physical brothers. A man's enemies will be they of his own household. That's what this is about. Now someone might be quick to point out that Cain wasn't an Israelite but that wouldn't be a really good point because I would just remind you that neither was Abel. Abel wasn't an Israelite either. See, the Israelites had not yet come into existence. Cain and Abel lived early on in the patriarchal period, long before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel. Yahweh's covenant was then made with Adam and with Adam's descendants. That would be faithful to Yahweh long before there was ever an Israelite on the scene. And faithful, non-Israelite Adamites can still be part of the covenant today. So how does the murder of Abel by Cain fit into Yeshua's argument? How does the murder of Abel by Cain fit with rebellious Israelites killing faithful Israelites? How does that fit? Here's how. Cain and Abel were brothers. As Yahweh asked Cain back in Genesis 4 verse 9, Cain, where is your brother Abel? Cain responds, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yahweh responds to Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now I believe that this is why Yeshua brings up the blood of righteous Abel. Up to this point, he's been condemning brothers, killing their physical brothers in Israel, So he goes back to the murder, the first murder of a righteous man in Adam's lineage, Abel. And it too is an example of a man killing his own brother, an enemy in your own house. When Yeshua says, all the righteous blood shed upon the earth will be charged to you, scribes and Pharisees, he is not saying that they're the ones who killed Abel. He is saying that they are killing their Israelite brothers sent to them by Yeshua just like Cain killed his own brother. I think that that's the point. Then Yeshua mentioned Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Now I want you to notice that this rebuke is different because Yeshua specifically pins the murder of Zechariah on the scribes and Pharisees. He never says, Abel whom you murdered, and the reason he doesn't is because they didn't. Cain did. But Yeshua does say, Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered. And this is somewhat of a quandary for theologians. Most scholars believe that the Zechariah here is the one that we read about or that we read about a few lessons ago in Second Chronicles 24. Look at this in Second Chronicles 24, 20 through 22. Most theologians believe that this is the Zechariah that Yeshua is talking about in Matthew 23. 2 Chronicles 24.20 The Spirit of the Almighty took control of Zechariah, son of Jehoiada the priest. He stood above the people and said to them, 
This is what the Almighty says. Why are you transgressing Yahweh's commands and you do not prosper? Because you have abandoned Yahweh, He has abandoned you. But they conspired against Him and stoned Him at the king's command in the courtyard of Yahweh's temple. King Joash didn't remember the kindness that Zechariah's father Jehoiada had extended to him, but killed his son. While he was dying, he said, May Yahweh see and demand an account. Here's one of those texts. There's many of them in the Old Testament. Here's one of those texts where Israelites are killing their own prophets. Zechariah was rebuking King Joash of Judah. And Joash murdered him right there in the courtyard of the temple. Now that seems like a good fit with Matthew 23, 35 until we realize that the Zechariah in 2 Chronicles 24 had a father whose name was Jehoiada, not Berechiah. Yeshua said, Zechariah, son of Berechiah. This Zechariah is son of Jehoiada. Scholars come up with all sorts of possibilities here. They say, well, it could be that Yeshua is speaking of Zechariah's grandfather. And you know, that's possible. Father doesn't always mean immediate father in the Bible. It can mean grandfather or great-grandfather. Yeshua could be meaning Zechariah, descendant of his ancestor, Berechiah. But we don't have any record of that in Second Chronicles. Others say that Jehoiada may have had a second name, Berechiah. That's possible. Sometimes men had two names, like Simon Peter in the Gospels, for example. But again, there's no evidence for that. That's just a possibility. The fact remains that the evidence calls Zechariah in Second Chronicles the son of Jehoiada, not the son of Berechiah. Other theologians say that Yeshua is talking about the prophet Zechariah who wrote the prophetic book in our scriptures. According to Zechariah 1 verse 1, as you see, he actually is called the son of Berechiah. So that now seems to fit. This is another option. That seems to fit until we realize that there's no record of this prophet Zechariah being murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. As a matter of fact, there is a book that was written around the time of the Second Temple period, what some people call the intertestamental period between Malachi and John the Baptizer. And that book is called The Lives of the Prophets. And that book lists the death of many of Yahweh's prophets. And it records in chapter 15, 1 through 6, that the prophet Zechariah that wrote the book in the Scriptures, he died peacefully and at an old age. So it's not likely that Yeshua spoke of that Zechariah either. These are some of the interpretive options. But I'm going to share with you what I consider to be the most likely yet least accepted option. Remember that whereas Yeshua does not directly say that the scribes and the Pharisees murdered Abel, he does directly say that they murdered Zechariah. He says, To the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you, there's that second person plural pronoun, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Now, as we've been studying this chapter, we see over and over Yeshua uses the pronoun you, directing it to the scribes and the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. I'm sending you prophets. Some of them you will kill and crucify. And so it makes sense that if Yeshua tells them you murdered Zechariah, son of Berechiah, that there was a Zechariah, son of Berechiah, living in their day that they had murdered. And Yeshua knew about it, and thus he says what he says here in verse 35. Zechariah is a common name in the Bible. 
It's not like there's just one person named Zechariah. We've already seen two, one in Second Chronicles and the prophet that wrote the book. Now in Matthew 23, we see a third one that was alive in the day of Yeshua in that generation, and Yeshua says, you murdered him. So the use of the pronoun you in Matthew 23.35 and the fact that the record of the murder of Zechariah in Second Chronicles lists his father as Jehoiada makes me go with this alternate understanding of Matthew 23.35. The first case of a brother murdering his own brother is Cain murdering Abel. The last case up to this point was the most recent murder of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, one of their own brethren. And Yeshua is moving from the first brother-on-brother murder to the most recent brother-on-brother murder. That's his point. And seeing how that Yeshua, the son of the landowner, the son of Yahweh, was right there with them. Remember the parable of the vineyard, Matthew 21. Since he was there, everything would come to a head in their generation. The cup of sin would be filled all the way up to the top with the righteous blood shed upon the earth, which would soon include the blood of of Yahweh's own Son. Look at the next verse in our study today. Matthew 23, 36. After this, Yeshua says, I assure you, all these things will come on this generation. On what generation? Who is Yeshua talking to? Well, He's talking to the people that was living in His day. And particularly the scribes and the Pharisees, the leaders in Israel. All these things, all the judgment would come upon them in their generation, or as Yeshua said, being alive at the time, in this generation. What does the word generation mean? Well, let's again let the Bible interpret the Bible. That's always the best way to do it. When you're wondering what a word means, the first thing you should do is look at how that same author that you're reading uses that word in his writings. And then from there you can branch off into other books of the Bible. So in order to understand generation, we can go to other places in the Gospel of Matthew and it will become extremely clear what the word generation means. Using the book of Matthew, we find help right in Matthew chapter 1 where there's a genealogy, a list of names in a family from father to son on down the line, Matthew 1.17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David unto the exile to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the exile to Babylon until the Messiah, 14 generations. Now we have here a mention of generations and the meaning from Matthew 1.17 is obviously each current lifetime of each individual. Abraham's generation, David's generation. From Abraham to David were 14 generations, Matthew writes. That begins with the generation of Abraham on down to the generation of David. The Greek word behind the English word generation is the word genia, and it means an age or a period of time. We see this meaning right at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 1, verse 17. We see the same thing in Luke. Luke chapter 1, verses 48 and 50, where the virgin Mary, or Miriam, is giving praise to Yahweh because of what He's done for her in allowing her to be the mother of the promised Messiah. She says in Luke 1.48, He has looked with favor on the humble condition of His slave, or servant, speaking of herself, 
Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Then verse 50, she says, His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. All generations. Genea means all generations or ages of her people coming after her will call her blessed when they look back on what happened to her. From generation to generation means from one man's lifetime to his son's lifetime to his grandson's lifetime, so forth and so on. I was talking to my dad last night, and he mentioned about his uncle, my great-uncle, and he was talking about the church that our uncle went to, and my dad said these words, and because I was studying about this particular verse in Matthew 23, this popped in my mind. He said, you know, when your uncle's generation dies out. Now, what did he mean when he said that? Well, everybody that lived back during the time of my 75-year-old uncle, that particular generation. We talk about my generation as Matthew. We talk about my son's generation, those that are growing up now. It's an age or a period of time where there are people involved in a genealogy. Well, let's narrow it down from here. We understand now what Ganea means. But Yeshua says in Matthew 23, verse 36, all these things will come upon... This generation, the phrase this generation applies to the generation, age, or time period of Yeshua's day. That's how it's been used all through Matthew up to this point. Let me show you this. In Matthew eleven sixteen, Yeshua says, To what should I compare this generation? He goes on to speak of them acting like bratty children who can't be pleased. He says that John came to them. This is very important. Mark this down when you're in your mind. He says, John came to them not eating and not drinking, and they said John had a demon. But the Son of Man came to them, that's Yeshua, eating and drinking, and they said he was a glutton and a drunkard. Now I want you to notice that Yeshua speaks of both John the baptizer and his own self preaching to what he calls this generation. So this generation, the phrase, has to mean the people alive at the time of Yeshua. John preached to them, John came to them, and the Son of Man came to them. In Matthew chapter 12, the scribes and Pharisees came to Yeshua seeking a sign. He told them that they were a wicked and adulterous generation living at that time. And they sought after signs, but no sign will be given to them except the sign of Jonah. Yeshua went on to say that the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south would rise up at the judgment and condemn this generation. What generation? Well, the one that was listening to Yeshua speak. The contemporaries of Yeshua. That's what the phrase, this generation, means in the book of Matthew, including Matthew 23:36. Yeshua says, all these things will come upon this generation. Speaking of the generation then living at the time of Yeshua, and specifically the leaders or the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees who were guilty of all the sins listed in Matthew 23 and who would be ultimately guilty of murdering the son of the landowner in the parable of the vineyard. They were the generation that filled up the measure of the cup of sin. Wrath had overtaken them completely. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. It is very important, brothers and sisters, in this Bible study tonight. 
It is very important that you understand the phrase, this generation, in Matthew 23, verse 36. Because if you do, if you understand this phrase properly, it will help you greatly in understanding the exact same phrase in Matthew 24, verse 34. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. For now, let me end this lesson with pointing out that the focus of Yeshua, the focus of all this judgment, is upon the men living during the time of Christ. That's who he's pronouncing the judgment on. The rebellious Israelite leaders who Yeshua sent prophets and wise men to, like I talked about last week, but they refused to repent just like their fathers. Just like King Joash. King Joash was one of the rebellious Israelites that wouldn't repent. And he murdered Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, there in the sanctuary. Could you imagine murdering somebody, your own flesh and blood, whose daddy had been helping you out since you were a little child, little baby? Blows my mind. But Yeshua's generation would not listen to the disciples, to the prophets, the wise men and the scribes. They would not listen to those that were sent to them. And they would not listen to the Son, the very Son of Yahweh, the very hope of Israel was right there in front of them, yet they rejected Him. As we read last week in John 1 verse 11, Yeshua came unto His own, and His own received Him not. Speaking of the house of Judah. Yahweh willing, we'll pick this back up in the next lesson, and I hope to finish out Matthew chapter 23, looking at verses 37 through 39. And once we do that, once we look at verses 37 through 39, and you can study that this week, another beautiful, absolutely precious, precious text of Scripture. I cannot wait to teach on that. He always will next week. I hope that he don't take me out of here before next Sabbath. (laughs) But once we look at those three verses, 37 through 39, it will help catapult us in to Matthew chapter 24, which is a thrilling study. You talk about a thriller, a good thriller? Well, this is going to be a thriller. Matthew 24 is a thrilling study of the biblical last days. And notice I said the biblical last days. I'm not talking about the last days as it is defined by modern-day prophetic prognosticators. But I'm speaking of the last days, the abomination of desolation, and the great tribulation, and the mark of the beast as defined by the Bible. And things get a lot simpler and easier when we let the Bible interpret the Bible. It's its best own interpreter. It's its own best interpreter. You let the Bible interpret the Bible, prophecy will become a lot simpler. And you won't have to turn on the John Hagees and the Jonathan Cons of this day or the Hal Lindsey's or the Edgar Wisnots that writes Back in the 80s, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is going to Take Place in 1988. That's a real book, Rocky. I couldn't have made something that funny up if I tried. I'm speaking of the biblical last days. This is very exciting for me. I've been studying on this for years. And people have been asking me about these things. And I haven't taught on Matthew 24. I've wanted to before, but I haven't up till now because... I just wasn't sure. And obviously I could still be wrong now. I'm a human being, but letting the Bible be its own best interpreter, I think it's going to be a thrilling study. 
of what we're going to see that Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 24. But we've got to get verses 37 through 39. Let's read them to close out this lesson. 37 through 39. After Yeshua says, all these things will come on this generation, He says in verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. You know, in studying Matthew chapter 23, this will wet your whistle for next week, I've read articles and even listened to some things where people think that the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23 are descendants of Cain. I've read things where people think the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23 are descendants of Esau. But here in verse 37, notice Yeshua when he talks about the city who kills the prophets. He doesn't say, Nod, Nod, which was Cain's land. And he doesn't say, Edom, Edom, which was Esau's land. But he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem which at this time was the land of Judah. The ten northern tribes of Israel had already been divorced and scattered through the nations. Not that there weren't any individual ones there at the time, but predominantly it was the land of Judah, the house of Judah, the southern tribes. And Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the city that kills her own prophets. Verse 37. Then he says, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Brother Jerry? You mentioned that in the testimony service. And it just I just could feel the presence of Yahweh's Spirit when he said that because I've been reading this verse in the tender mercies of Yeshua who is just like his father, Yahweh. He's just as tender as his father. And he says he's wanted to gather the children of Jerusalem like a hen who gathers her chicks. We'll talk about that next week. But he says, yet you, speaking of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, were not willing Verse 38, see, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will never see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh. That's the end of Matthew chapter 23. I could teach on the whole thing right now, but I'm not going to. We'll save it for next week. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you, I appreciate you, I thank you, and I praise you. You are good, I am not. You're the creator. I am but clay in your sight, Father Yahweh. Mold me and shape me, Father Yahweh, into a good vessel. Please, Father Yahweh, I beg you to do it. Father, I pray right now for your tender mercies. Father, in the tender mercies of your son, Yeshua, to be honest, even as the mother hen takes the chicks under her wings. Yahweh, Father, please. Help us to repent and confess and trust and be be faithful people. Help us, Father Yahweh. Give us a good understanding, Father Yahweh. I pray that these verses we've been over will do what you would have them to do for the people here tonight, that they would take them back, examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things be so. We'll get more into this. Please, Yahweh, help us bring us back here next week so we can get further into this. Through your Son, Yeshua. Amen. Yahweh bless you.